I'm Jenna Ocean, and this is Little Ritual. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Little Ritual Podcast, the show where we're open and honest about all things spirituality. Let's broaden the conversation about the divine beyond binaries, beyond monotheism. Let's do it. Let's do it together. I am so happy you're here, and let me tell you, you are in for such a treat. I had the wonderful, my new friend and soul sister, Shauna Zalazo, author of the book, The Way of Inanna, a heroine's guide to unapologetically living. And, oh, it's just such a lovely conversation. And we talk about, we talk about healing beyond grief and alchemizing our experiences. And we do it all through the lens of the Sumerian goddess Inanna. We talk about matriarchal societies and how some misconceptions about them and how the world would be, like Obama said, a better place if each of the world leaders was replaced by a woman for a year. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. We get into it. So that is today's episode. Uh, Put yourself somewhere comfy, grab yourself a nice beverage, and we're going to hop into today's episode. Shauna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you, Jenna. I am so excited that you're here. Like, I feel like I was reaching out to like Oprah. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, that just gives me chills. Bless your heart. (laughs) Bless you. Bless Um, you. (laughs) So, okay. I would love to just really quick give people a little bit of background about how we got connected. Yes, absolutely. It's yeah. So I keep using the word random, but it's just so it's been so perfect. And like finding your book. Do you get this a lot where people are like, I found your book right at the right time? I have heard that. And it's so amazing. It just makes me and it feels like I feel like honored that Inanna's reaching the the beings that she's reaching that way. I so I'm a lifeguard. So there's, I don't even know where to start with this because, but so I decided again to lifeguard this year. I used to lifeguard 10 years ago when I was in high school in California. Um, and it was a very intense experience. And so, uh, I always wanted to go back to lifeguarding, but it needed to be a lot more chill. So Rye seems like the perfect fit, but anyway, that's a lot of background to say that back in February, I was at a YMCA doing like a swim test to see if I could become a lifeguard. And there were probably three people total trying out to be lifeguards plus the people in charge of the program. And that was it. Like the Y was pretty empty. It was kind of ghost towny. And I had finished the swim and was coming back around and I saw your book on like the table, which is so deep. It is so random. (laughs) It is (laughs) like, and, but I was immediately drawn to it. Um, I, I think it was the cover. I don't know, just the energy of the book. And so I think I've just picked it up and was asking like whose it was. And I wish I could remember her name, but there was a woman there. I think she knows you or surfs with you or something. 
And she saw me drawn to the book and she's just like, you can keep it. I have four copies. Oh, and I was like, wow. yeah, I was so touched because I was very drawn to it. I was going to buy it anyway. And she just gave it to me. I love that. Was this Becca? Becca? It wasn't Bex. Okay. Okay. It, it was, um, it was the mother of someone trying out. Amazing. Oh yeah. Wow. So that's how I got your book. And I mean, so for me, like coming from an evangelical background where I was always upset, I got my degree in theology and I was always upset about the lack of female authorship in the Bible and female autonomy. So this just blew my mind. Um, and yeah. And then, so, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to do too much talking. I just think it's so cool how we, oh, I love this. And I feel like, I feel like Inanna fully orchestrated that, <laughs> that intro. I, yes, <laughs> totally. The fact that it was like ocean related and yes. there was just women sharing things and Absolutely. And water is such a, a significant aspect of the divine feminine. It's very symbolic. So the chalice and the, you know, this is just the, the fact that it took place at a pool, you know, is just so appropriate. I agree. <laughs> I just love that story. I love it. <laughs> I do too. And then, and then it gets weirder because then I start lifeguarding and you show up early in the season when it was still cold and like, so you walk up on the beach and it's just you and you have this big smile on your face, just like radiating this beautiful energy and you introduced yourself and it goes right over my head. Cause I'm not, first of all, I had no idea how to pronounce your name on the book. <laughs> so for months I was like, I love this book by Sianna. She's my favorite. <laughs> and then, so it didn't connect is what I'm saying. When you told me, hi, I'm Shauna. Um, and I, in my head, because we get a lot of personalities on the beach as you can imagine but you'd show up for your cold plunges and I was just like this person is my favorite patron hands down I and that. I, I so for <laughs> and so it's so funny because for months I was reading your book and seeing you and thinking you were just my favorite patron ever and not making that connection amazing amazing yeah. <laughs> uh, okay so I would love to know how how do you introduce yourself these days we can imagine you're at like a like a fun social gathering and like someone who's not an asshole is asking you <laughs> so someone who's engaged <laughs> um I would, Important I would context absolutely absolutely um I would um identify I mean I would say that the the work that I do in the world is as a spiritual counselor so I would say that I am also an author and a spiritual counselor. Um, and But I think the distinction really is that I no longer do psychotherapy, that I'm really doing um, the intuitive, intuitive counseling um, so that I'm able to work beyond the, um, the confines of traditional psychotherapy. So um, yeah, that's how I would, I, I, that's how I would do it. That's how I would introduce myself. <laughs> I was just reading the chapter in your book about boundaries as a psychotherapist. Yeah. I'm curious what the main differences for people listening would be between traditional psychotherapy, which you have done in the past. Yeah. You've done a lot of things, <laughs> my friend. Um, and now doing, how did you phrase it? Intuitive 
Intu- I would say intuitive counseling. Intuitive counseling. Yeah. Can you flesh out a little bit of the yeah. differences? Well, the, the intuitive work that I do, I do provide readings. I do provide intuitive readings wherein I connect with people's higher self and their guides. And so really, you know, the, the framework of psychotherapy is you're acting as a mirror for your clients to understand themselves at a, at a deep level. And so uh, I do think that that is very similar to the intuitive work because mm-hmm. when I am channeling, um, what I'm doing is I'm just connecting with your own divine team and mirroring it back to you. So what comes through isn't coming from me, it's coming from you, you know? And so um, so there's an overlap in that way, but the distinction really is, is that, um, that in from the intuitive perspective, I'm able to relate uh, beyond um, psychopathology and see it at its true origin, right? So um, meaning like we all have wounding, every one of us. And from an intuitive perspective, I'm able to see like it's you're able to take a, a really zoom out lens, um, mm-hmm. panning the camera really far back to be able to see what's really at the root. And as a psychotherapist, if someone would come into my office with a presenting issue, and I saw that it was past life under that context, I couldn't explore that with them um, because that's not what they were coming for. And Right. And insurance doesn't pay for that. Um, so, so it really made, I, when my son was born, I really made that decision to transition into what I consider to be more of the soul-based work. So I call my intuitive readings, soul readings. And it's really about it. It, it I, I love psychotherapy and I think psychotherapy is so valuable and important. Um, but in the work that I do now, if somebody is in need of that, I would come in in addition to their own psychotherapist, right? So they would have their own psychotherapist and then I would come in and we could work on um, what is what is unfolding in their life in from the context of their soul's intention and to look at what's at, look at the challenges from a different perspective to how it's helping them evolve at a soul level rather than dealing with what um, a psychotherapist might deal with in terms of like how to negotiate from that angle. So I I wanted to step outside of that, um, that paradigm. And that's why I don't do the psychotherapy anymore. (laughs) Um, And you know, what, what I really love, I know you do Reiki, which I'm such a big fan of, and also trained in. And, um, and I, when I was doing psychotherapy, I couldn't in, especially in social work within the confines of the social work paradigm, you can't do other modalities that you can't include other modalities. If you're doing psychotherapy with somebody, you cannot be doing Reiki with somebody. So um, that, and, you know, and so, which is all totally fine, but I wanted to be able to operate from different angles and be able to do pull in, um, you know, what was appropriate in the context of what I was seeing. So that's one of the reasons why I moved away from psychotherapy, Mm. but it's super valuable and I'm a huge fan and it's wonderful. I just, I pivoted. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I have been in therapy for seven, how old am I? (laughs) Six years now. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and I have a lot of friends. So I've, and I love my therapist. I've had the same one for six years, which awesome. I found is pretty rare. I yes. Think. So I'm very grateful. Um, 
that was another thing that came in at the right time. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, but I, I talked to my friends cause we all are going through therapy and healing and Love it. we do all talk about how there is a limit within healing to the, the effectiveness of talk therapy and how we often wish that our therapist could hold a third space. So I think it's so powerful that you, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying not to just be so impressed and fangirling <laughs> over you because you, Bless I you. mean, I can just feel the depth and breadth of the fact that you are trained in all of these modalities and what you offer to your clients. I mean, I, I can only imagine how amazing those sessions must be for everybody involved. Thank you so, so much for saying I so. just love you. Thank <laughs> you. I love you, Jenna. I love you. I loved you right away. I too want to say when I, it took me a while. I didn't recognize you. I didn't know. I didn't recognize you um, in the early part of the season when I saw you and doing my cold plunges. It wasn't until that one day I came up to you and I said, oh my gosh, you're Jenna. And it was from Instagram because I recognized you from Instagram. I was like, wait a minute. You were that putting it together was just really fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fun for me too, because you yelled from the bottom of the beach up on this high rock firm. I'm Shauna. And I still didn't know how to pronounce your name. So I was like, awesome. Cause I, I knew you and you were my favorite patron. If anyone else had yelled their name to me, I think I would have been like, Oh dear God. But it was you. So I was like sick. And then I didn't, then you walked in like the author of the book that you're wanting to interview me for. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again. But I, um, I, I really do. I, I love, you're so blessed to have the same therapist because that what's it says speaks volumes about your therapist for sure, but also about the commitment you have to the work. And that's a really important point because there's something, you know, that, <laughs> that healing is an ongoing thing, you know, and as we evolve and, um, you know, no matter what kind of healing we're doing, it's, you, we are going to the next level. So it's kind of like the concept of initiations, which is so central to the book. It's like, they're never over, <laughs> like right. they keep coming, but we, as we negotiate them, we become equipped with the capacity to negotiate them with greater ease, you know, sort of like, um, you as an athlete getting comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Like, you know, yeah. in <laughs> distance swimming, <laughs> getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So it, 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 it is really so valuable that you have that relationship in place. It's just amazing. Is it okay if we go deep real quick? Yeah, go okay. deep real quick. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because, um, so we have a lot in common and it's not all good stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. good is relative, but, um, the reason that I started therapy six years ago was because of my mom's suicide. <gasps> oh my, I have chills. Wow. Oh, yeah. Jenna, I'm sorry that you went through that. You too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Is, is it okay if we touch on of course. that? Of Yes. I've, okay. I've, absolutely. That's just like, no, please. I'm completely um, an literal open book about it. Awesome. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was, I don't know. I don't know how I didn't remember this when I invited you. I think that I just was so excited and wanted you on the podcast and, but I was just rereading your intro this morning and our, we both had that experience 
at almost the exact same age. Wow. Oh, yeah. You were wow. yeah. 19. I was 19. When your mother took her life and mm-hmm. I was 20. Oh my gosh. I have chills, Jenna. Oh, we're total soul sisters. Oh my gosh. You want to know something even weirder? Yeah. Um, I, my grandparents met at the Royal Victorian <gasps> Victoria Hospital. No, they did not. Really? Yeah. Was it in Montreal? Yeah. Yep. That's where my grandparents met. And that, I read <gasps> that that was where Yeah, mother... that's where my mom was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. <laughs> so destined. So beautiful. Inanna aligns her <laughs> priestesses. <laughs> yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think, I think that I may have, sh- when I reflect on that, I think when I was reading your book that I may have sort of shut out those chapters because it's still a little more fresh for me. I mean, I'm six yes. years out, but I was reading that and I was like, oh God, like, you know, and, and I, of course kept reading and it wasn't something that stopped me, yeah. but, um, there's a, there's something about, I think a woman losing her mother at that age Absolutely, is a specific experience in life. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It's this central, I mean, there's so much there, but that at that point in our life, we're stepping out into the world as women and we're having this messaging that we have to contend with from that experience that is really, you know, intense to integrate, you know, and, um, and, and to rectify with what does it mean for us as we're stepping out into the world in that way as a woman, what is that messaging saying Mm. about what it means to be a woman and all the, and a mother and all the things, you know, really intense. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if, did you ever feel that it sort of sped up something like sometimes I feel like I relate to people in their fifties and sixties. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yes, absolutely. It, <clears throat> for sure. <laughs> um, and it also feels like in this sort of paradoxical way, this passing of the torch of how to mother self, like right away, like here you are, you're now mothering yourself, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like passing the baton. Um, so it's, so there is a way for sure it speeds things up. Um, and you know, that's one of the things with grief that I find so significant. So in in that certainly prompt that experience, because even though, you know, I know this is in the book, but even though she took her own life, she didn't die right away. So she, I was able to actually be with her when she did take her last breath. And that event definitely activated in me this part that, that, uh, of, of wanting to, to support people in transition. So that then put me in the, on the path of doing hospice work, you know, which I love so much and just have such deep respect for that, that, and and that the rites of passage of, of death and birth to me are just like, just incredible to be able to be a part of. But Mm -hmm. so that definitely did that for me, but it, it also, I think to your point, I think there is something about what gets activated in us from that experience at that point in time that sets us on our course, you know? 
Yeah. There's like in its own initiation. initiation. Totally. Totally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Shauna, you've, you've worn a lot of hats in your life. Um, the ones that I know off the top of my head. So, okay. Casually you were, a uh, what's it called before the Olympics? Oh, the Olympic trials. Yeah. 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 An Olympic trial marathon runner twice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and then you've been, okay. So that's one hat you were, you got your degree in like Thana thanatology. Yeah, thanatology. You got it. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. You've been a psychotherapist. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. putting the motion of putting yeah. on hats every time I say something <laughs> psychotherapist, um, author, uh, and now intuitive. Mm -hmm. That, that, yeah, that, and I, I was a body worker for a really long time doing, um, uh, massage therapy and energy work, um, for like a long time. I, I went through undergrad and graduate school as a, that was like my main gig. And I worked a lot with athletes. Um, but I also did energy work at end of life. I had the best, um, medical director at the hospice that I worked at because he would, he would encourage us to, to do, he would encourage the social worker to do energy work to do Reiki at the, when someone was dying. So I, I was, uh, you know, cause you know, obviously I, in the act of dying process, talk therapy might be useful for the, the parents or the family around or whatnot, but you know, later on, but, but in the moment to be able to offer that was, it was just so awesome. It was such a beautiful environment, but anyway, um, the, there's also the alignment. Cause I know you also do Reiki and energy work. <laughs> and I'm very drawn to, um, the honoring of death as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of hilarious to me though, cause you, you cannot be as old as what you just described. Do you know Hermione Granger from Harry Potter? Have yes. You okay. Yeah. You know how she has that time watch and totally so that she can go to all the classes that had to have been you. <laughs> bless you. Um, <laughs> I, I started early like you did because that's what happens, right? There's this, yeah, you're initiated. Early. Up. Yeah, yep, mm -hmm. totally. So, okay. I, I want you to take this question any way that you want, because, because your life clearly has been so full fleshed. I'm curious how you came to the current iteration of yourself. And, um, if you want to talk about, yeah, just, I am curious, like why Inanna as well, mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. want to tie those yeah. together. A absolutely. So the intuitive orientation was with me all along since I was little and it just became, I I'm so grateful for the process that it took, you know, the, the trajectory things took, because I think coming into uh, the work that I do now, it was, is so fundamentally informed by doing hospice social work, by having a practice myself as a massage therapist, you know, and, um, and, and the space that we need to hold for something. So, you know, this kind of work, um, and the boundaries and all of that, and certainly psychotherapy. So I am, I would say in terms of how I came into this sort of iteration where I focus more on the intuitive, that's always been present, but I think also part of it connected to Inanna is that I, this is sort of going into the past life orientations. Like this is who I've always been sort of thing. And so I can be, I am in touch with and can remember 
the experiences of persecution endured for being intuitive, right? So coming in and- Is that what people call the witch wound sometimes? Exactly. That's exactly right. We're talking Um, about past lives experience mm -hmm. being felt in your body in this life. That's right. That's right. I would imagine you've got some of those as well. <laughs> I'm just beginning to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> um, because really, exactly. It's the, it's, well, you know, it's, it's the persecution uh, endured for um, being the visionary, uh, you know, the, the, the intuitive, um, what, what was considered threatening to those in power, the patriarchy, the church, those in power that, um, that, that I definitely am in touch with. And, and, and I think the, even the past life wounding around being pathologized for that. Right. So then I come into psychotherapy and I am now in a role where I can track, what's pathology and what's not, you know? And so it was really this establishment of like the trajectory I took really feels like in retrospect, like the establishment of of a felt sense of safety before I came out of the closet fully as an intuitive, right? So there, I think that was sort of necessary for me to feel that in order to, to be uh, comfortable to do the work that I do. Um, doing so- just to clarify, doing psychotherapy and being in that environment and being able to distinguish yep. pathology from intuition. Intuition. Yeah. Okay. Tra- yeah. And and yeah. what like perspective, like, you know, so as an intuitive, I receive messages that, you know, like you could say, so you're hearing things. <laughs> So you're seeing things, right? right? Okay. Oh, that really looks like schizophrenia or, you know, which whatever. And so um, to feel safe enough to uh, sort of be comfortable in the fact that I perceive differently, you know, than some people, I would, let me rephrase that. I think we all have the ability. I know we all have the ability to perceive in what would be conceptualized as differently, but, but to not feel judged by it. And to not feel threatened by sharing it. And um, and then also the responsibility. There's like this witch wound orientation around feeling culpable um, by introducing others to their own gifts, you know? And mm-hmm. so I had to feel safe to do that. And it took the trajectory it took. And then when I did feel safe, which happened around the time of my son's birth, I was like, all right, I mean, this is how I've always been. I'm just now putting it out there. Um, so, but Inanna came in because um, it really happened when I was looking for um, ancient texts on self-mastery that I stumbled upon her most well-known myth, the descent of Inanna, which is the one that most people would equate with Inanna, but her mythology is so rich and it's like, it's vast and so fun. <laughs> um, and so this one certainly I wouldn't necessarily describe as fun because there's a depth there's a um, you know, she really does descend into the underworld. She hears a calling for her own to her own death. She has a call to great blow. It's this intuitive experience um, because she has mastered, she is the queen of heaven and earth, and now she wants to have mastery over the underworld. So she she goes down, but this is a land from which no one returns. And she's, you know, what I loved about this myth. And then of course I saw my own story in it with, through the experience I endured with my mom, you know, and, um, and is she, you know, she's literally brought to her death and, but the experience of that 
there's so much in her story, but the experience of that um, helped her see how powerful she is and helped her access faith in herself. And that's what led to her ascent, her rise. And I, I wanted to um, really identify with that aspect of the process instead of just the trauma, you know, yes. and she showed me how. So then I was hooked. And then I found more and more about her. Like she loves beer. And she, I saw that. <laughs> like she oh, loves- Shauna, I have something to invite yes, you to. Please. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, I'm-, I'm sorry to interrupt, but have you heard of this club that exists on the seacoast called the pre-dead social club? No. Okay, Shauna. So we're going to go. <laughs> I um, would love to come. Yes, please. Apparently they have beer and dialogue. Oh, like, I love this. And we're going. Have- yes. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, I just found it yesterday. Our podcast is today. And like, oh, we're going. Yes. I'm so enthusiastic about it because they have, from what I understand, and and when I get excited, I don't do thorough research. But from what I've found so far, they have these, they just create a space where where people can talk about death. Um, They have a workshop coming up. This is not a paid ad. I literally don't even know the people who do this. It could be terrible, but I don't think it is. They have a workshop coming up. Yes, where they where you make a um, you write a what's it called when someone dies? Obituary. Eulogy. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. They help you write an obituary as to alchemize any experiences. It can be anything from someone you've actually lost. You can write an obituary for yourself or for like the car that just died. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I just thought to mention that to you because I, I love that. I would love to go with you. Yes, please. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I love that actually as an exercise so much because, you know, when, if, if you're writing your own obituary, you are reflecting on your strengths and it's a real mm-hmm. inspiration, to, you know, because you, how would you describe yourself? And, and it will show you what you might still like to do and like yes. still what parts of you, you wished maybe were included in that obituary so that you can take action now. That's really that finishing your unfinished business. And I think writing your obituary is such an amazing exercise to do so, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. take we're care of go. your unfinished business. You yes, we're going. <laughs> um, yes. Is it okay if I ask you some book specific questions? Of course. Okay. Please. So first of all, for everyone listening, you, you have to buy this book. <laughs> um, it's magical. It's, it's just, it's such a beautiful book. Um, you give us this beautiful background about some of the stuff you just talked about, about your own experiencing Inanna for the first time. And then there's this lovely format of Inanna and yourself being invited through these gates of ascension. Um, so the question that I had, oh shoot, where did it go? I got, I got excited talking. Um, Oh yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) The question that I have, and I'm just curious because we hear a lot of like hero stories, but we don't hear a lot of heroine stories. Do you have any thoughts on the difference (laughs) between those two? Yes, I do. And I love that question. Um, The, I, I think the most significant part of that is that um, really what's emerging right now is, is a world that is in need of a restoration of balance. And my understanding of how to do so is to bring 
the feminine energy. This is not a gender specific concept in any way mm-hmm. because we all hold those currents within, right? So we have the ma- divine masculine and divine feminine within each of us, the yin yang, that perfect, you know, a, a balance. But part of w- the way I see the, the earth herself uh, as being in need of some healing is that the the divine feminine energy was buried alive, you know, by the patriarchy, by which is the wounded masculine, right? And um, and that in order for us to restore balance, we have to, in essence, unearth her and allow her to come back up. Now, to be side by side. Now, the feminine uh, is what I love about the histor- historical perspective of female. Um, what was called matriarchal civilizations where there where women had equal rights was that um they were not in any way oriented where they were having dominance so they weren't dominating the masculine so mm-hmm. the patriarchal perspective dominates the feminine the matriarchal uh which has even been termed um matristic um instead because it sort of wants to distinguish itself so instead of just like it's not like that there's no dominance this is the cool thing yeah they just this is in those civilizations there was equal partnership equal alignment and they had rights and rules but they were also the also cool piece about those beautiful civilizations was that there was no war there were not a war conscious they were not war conscious civilizations. Wow. So these are hard to even imagine that with the context of the world now. I know. Right. So they were not, they were, that wasn't part of it. So, so my understanding is let's resurrect the divine feminine so she can be in alignment with the divine masculine, perfect alignment. And in so doing, we're bringing back the qualities of the divine feminine, which include compassion, um, intuition, um, non-judgment, unconditional love. And we need both, right? Right. We need both in alignment because we still need all the beautiful aspects of the divine masculine as well. The ability to take all of that Mm -hmm. into action. So the, the heroine perspective feels almost like an emphasis on saying, you know, in essence, be, be your own heroine, resurrect yourself, be in touch with unearth yourself, allow her to reign that as that all all of us. And I don't just mean, you know, women, Um, I mean, even with however we identify, allowing the current of that feminine energy to be present in order to restore balance within and without, right? Um, And always the change, the transformation, I fundamentally believe is necessary within first, right? That if we can make that transformation, then everything that we, um, everything that we encounter, the ways in which we move through the world is impacted by that Mm -hmm. restored balance internally. And it has an effect. It has, we are changing the world by doing so, you know? So that I think is why, why I love psychotherapy, right? Because it helps us do the inner work. Yeah. Um, But I think the heroine story, I think to your point, there has been a lot of focus uh, on, on the, on the masculine, the hero, but, but what I think about the heroine perspective is that it's, it's not, it's, 
it's an ownership of one's power, but it's also not a dominance. It's not saying like it's a heroine who has the heroine story includes one who is aligned with uh, a desire to support the whole, you know, yeah. it's always about that, like the, the feminine perspective. So the symbol, the symbolic aspect of the feminine is a circle, right? And there's a linear perspective for the masculine. So the circle is like, when, if we can restore that energy, we're looking at the totality of self, the wholeness of self, but we're also looking at how is the whole doing, you know, and it's if we re- sustainable, yes, too. it's yeah. totally. So I, I think we need more. We, I think, I think Inanna, what uh, the other piece about Inanna is like, I, I think her her version of heroin is very balanced i think her version of heroin is actually rather androgynous so she's yes. owning her she's owning her femininity but she's also owning her like she's owning all parts of herself you know it makes me so happy because and i think you can relate to this being a an, a more extreme athlete i'm nowhere near you just swam eight mile you did an eight mile open water swim you are an endurance badass athlete yes you are thank you (laughs) did it in five and a half hours and big oh my gosh (laughs) and it was freezing that day I literally was in the water going how is she not going to be hypothermic (laughs) and I'm amazed that I was okay because I'm a big baby when it comes to I'm a baby anyway being an athlete who I feel like to to have when you enter that edge, there's something very masculine energy about yes. it. Yes. And so oh, yeah. it was, it is very gratifying to read this, this myth, this about this goddess, you know, that where she is embodying both the masculine and the feminine from an athletic perspective. Totally. Um, also just to make a note on what you said, cause I was like burning in my seat when you're talking about, uh, what was the word you used? Mate. Oh, matristic. Um, okay, matristic. That comes from a an archaeologist, Maria. I'm I'm going to butcher her last name, but I can give it to you for show notes. Uh, Guillaume Butis, um, who okay. passed away uh, several years ago, but she is an incredible source. Her work is an incredible source. If you are ever curious about. Uh, anything related to the divine feminine, this is the most beautiful um, resource I can recommend. I will provide her name to you is f- so that you actually have it spelled, it pronounced correctly. But um, yeah, exactly. And, but she, but she really defined or coined that term matristic because she wanted to differentiate. She was literally saying matriarchal sounds so similar to patriarchal and there's no desire for dominance. And I just love that. I just, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I love yes. that. She literally was like, no, we need a different word. Totally. And that's something that has actually like enraged me a little bit and in a good way too. read it when, when I'm reading about how matri- matristic I'm going to, I'm going to adopt that word right now, how matristic yes. indigenous societies and tribes worked with and that it's hard to even explain them to people who have no context because it's like no you have to completely change the framework for how you understand power 
in order because it's you can't just you can't just surplace replace women with men in the way that men run patriarchal systems it's it's a sharing and so it when i when obama had at one point said well one thing that would make the world a better place is if every single leader was of the country was replaced with a woman people were outraged and um which is kind of funny i mean anyway because he is a male president but uh he said that and people were outraged and i had a conversation with that about my partner where i was like well i think he maybe has an understanding that it would just be a healthier system and i don't think he means forever but totally there's a big imbalance uh, absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah I, there's really it's like it's the there's an emphasis like the the what we're healing from is the misuse of power and mm -hmm. that what would be the antidote and it's that unconditionally loving non-judgmental because because as we're healing if we're holding resentment so as we let's imagine this conceptual idea of the divine feminine being buried alive now she's unearthed she's going to be a bit ticked off right <laughs> as she comes right. out but but really the way that she is oriented is that she can be angry but she's not going to hold on to resentment because then she'll just stay tethered to the trauma of the mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. so she emerges and this is very inana she is inana this is what was exemplified for me in inana she might be angry but she just goes on like she doesn't hold on to it she's she moves on to the next thing she's unapologetic in all the ways she just um like she she won't be she won't be held down by anything and resentment holds us. It binds us. And she's like, no way, you know? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that's what we need too. Like, so as we heal, we can't just be like, now I'm in this state where I'm really, really angry that you held me down for all this time. Mm -hmm. We go instead. Okay. So things are going to be different. And how do I integrate what I've endured in a way that helps me feel powerful? How do I focus on the empowerment, you know? And Inanna shows me that, yeah. And I think that's so important. And we could have a whole conversation about, about that. Um, I, I know that we're coming up on time and that you have a client who is going to have an amazing time with you. Oh, um, you. <laughs> I, I really, I think you might need to be on the pod cast again because yes. <laughs> I have so many other things I'd love to talk about like one thing that I want to put a pin in is I did not know that there was any mythology of a god figure goddess being crucified with a nail that right. predates Jesus right. and that I think when you consider the fact that I majored in theology <gasps> wow yes you know and I went to a Christian school it's like how did how was that not mentioned because yeah. Inanna's death also, I think that's kind of a, in my opinion, a mark of a heroine story that it usually starts with the descent yes. and then the empowerment comes after. Yes, but, um, totally. Yeah. That's how she was. That's how she was. Totally. Taken she was taken out and she, she, you know, the interesting thing about that too, is that it was her sister who I conceptualize as her sister self, the, the, um, the goddess of the underworld. Um, that fixed her eye, they, that took her life, you know? Um, and that there's something in that, that is like that, that there, that part of the feminine story there is around. I mean, it's not just the feminine story is the 
reconciliation of the shadow that that there's there are the the way to rise is to reconcile our polarities and come into balance to rise. Certainly Jesus did show us that. There was a way that 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 you know but that's coming from you know that 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 trajectory or aspect of the ascension was certainly laid down a long time before this beautiful story that this beautiful process that, that um you know was conveyed in in Jesus's ascension and resurrection so yeah it is it i know <laughs> all of these beautiful parts of the of her mythology that show up too are also include this um i want to say like uh prominence of feminine sexuality and power at, at the forefront of her mythology like how have we not used the word sexuality yet it's, right oh it's all because she's a she's a goddess it. of sexuality yeah and the healing of the second chakra and totally absolutely you just have that, to read the book <laughs> yes well that's it I mean her this is like she celebrates her holy vulva. Like this is prominent. It is everywhere. And this exactly, I just I appreciate that so I do too. much. And the beer. I mean, me and Inanna, we we're just we're getting I know. Right. exactly. <laughs> and she's really she invites us to reclaim, to release the shame around our sexuality, around our body. She insists on our physicality. And that's what speaks to me as an athlete. And I'm sure to you too, is she, she's not saying, hey, mm -hmm. so, you know, rise above the body and, um, you know, exist in these higher planes just without the body. She's saying- Gnostic. Yeah, yes, exactly. She's saying- integrate the wisdom that you've accessed, use the body as part of your ascension process, you know, which I think is very much an aspect of my pull to sport in general, you know, like, so she's, she, we love Inanna. Yes. And I love if you meet, I, I have not known you for that long, but when you talk about embodiment and this being your own journey it's just so evident from being with you and if, if any of you get Thank the you. opportunity to meet Shauna you'll know you'll feel the integration that has happened in you so that um, just fills me up thank you thank you thank you Jenna <laughs> is it okay if we end with this fun little five question hot seat thing yes I have? please absolutely okay. awesome so so each one is sort of like um what is something that x y and z it'll make sense as we go Great. Okay. So first question, what is something you like about yourself? I would say my ability to see the, what's really going on so that it, I, I can truly genuinely, genuinely, genuinely be in a place of compassion because I can psychically see what's really going on. So it, it, it keeps me from judgment genuinely. Like I really genuinely, I'm not trying to not be judgmental. I genuinely am non-judgmental just because I can psychically see what's really at the root of the presenting behavior. Even if the presenting behavior is difficult, it just doesn't, I'm like, oh, I can't judge it. <laughs> like I just don't. So. Yeah. Oh man, that is awesome. I'm going to take a little <laughs> bit of that put in my pocket. <laughs> what is something that you are committed to? My own evolution for sure. <laughs> That's like the driving force. And I see everything in my life as an opportunity to refine the process of evolution. So I stay committed. <laughs> 
what is something that you're proud of? I'm proud of my son <laughs> um, because I am, because he is just who he is. He's very much, you know, I think I see a lot of the qualities that I value in Anana in, in my son Ryder, because he's just himself and it's so beautiful. <laughs> Ryder Ocean. Ryder Ocean. Powerful name. Thank you. <laughs> What's something that makes you angry? Oh, uh, mm. <laughs> generally all forms of injustice. And what I would say is I am, I have worked with the notion of anger as an, as a inroad into the work that needs to be done within myself. So I don't disavow my anger, but I work with it. So if I'm angry at a witnessing injustice, I use it as a way to cultivate a non-charge. So, and uh, and it doesn't mean I collude with it or I give it permission. Like I, it doesn't mean I collude with it or I roll over, you know, and say, fine, let this abuse take place. But I don't want to contribute to the thing about which I have anger or frustration by holding myself in that vibration with anger. Mm -hmm. So I try to feel it and I say, okay, this is my tip off that I have some work to do. I'm, I'm really charged here. How can I work with this and see this in a way that releases the charge so that I can then very e more easily turn towards the direction I wish it to be. So if it's about fighting injustice, I'm not trying to, my, my focus is still on, on like looking at ways to cultivate more of what I want to see instead of the aggression that I could feel of like stopping something. It's more like, okay, if I want more peace, how can I cultivate more peace? And then my, my gaze can go there. But if I'm really caught with the um, charge, it's hard for me to do that. And now I'm just contributing to the very thing I don't want to be contributing to. So, wow. so anger is an interesting thing, but yeah. Ooh. Do, do you get tired from that? Yeah. Oh gosh. All, life is exhausting. <laughs> if you, if you go through your life, uh, I, my poor partner, because I'm so it's sort of like, there's no chance to just kind of like, just stop. I'm like, I, but it's not just that it's like, everything has so many more depth, like to, depths to it. So yes, it's exhausting, but also, you know, Jenna, like when you see, you can't unsee. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of like, it's like this because we both love the ocean. It's if imagine yourself going for a run on the beach and you run over like some big piece of trash and you're like, fine, it's fine. Somebody else will pick it up. You're going to turn around and you're going to go and you're going to pick it up mm. in the middle of your trash, you know, because you've seen it and you yeah. like tried it. You're like, no, I'm in the middle of my run and I'm trying to hit a certain pace. I'm, I'm not stopping, <laughs> but you're gonna, <laughs> because you saw it. And if you have your love for the ocean, yeah. Mm. If you love the ocean the way do, we do, uh, you're going to circle back and pick up that plastic bag and put it in the trash. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Oh, I have so much to learn from you. Okay. Uh, what's one thing you hope to do before you die? That's a great question. I hope to resonate in a place of calm, sustained calm, because mm -hmm. as being someone who's sensitive, I definitely struggle with anxiety. And so I think that, uh, one of the things I'd like to do is find my way in, which implies tremendous healing. <laughs> um, it implies a whole, it implies doing a whole lot of other things. Um, but I really want to, I really do want to experience a 
physical a lived experiential ongoing sustained experience of calm <laughs> wow me too yes sign me up for that please <laughs> okay so there are definitely people listening are you accepting first of all new like clients I am okay yes, I cool because I know that there are people listening who want to work with you so Bless could you, you please tell us how how to follow you how to get in touch with you how to buy your whatever it is we want to sign up so awesome <laughs> <laughs> wonderful well the book uh the way of anana um heroine's guide to living unapologetically is whatever bookstore so it's at booksellers worldwide um amazon all of those places um uh, my website is just my full name shaunazalazo.com and on instagram i'm shaunazalazoauthor.com so any i'm uh, not.com author. <laughs> So that is evident of my experience with social media. <laughs> um, so I think those are all probably the best ways, yeah, to get in touch. And awesome. I welcome it. Thank you. Thank you yes, so no, much. Thank for you. Opportunity. I am so grateful and I so can't wait to go and attend. What is it called again? Social, yes. Free Dead Social Club. We are going. <laughs> okay. Yay. I can't wait. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. And um yeah, I think that's all I have. Do you have anything else that you want to leave us with? Just, I would say, it, really embrace and tr and access faith in yourself because when you do, and this is a big message from Anana, when you do, you experience fulfillment. Like it starts with faith in yourself. So have faith in you. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I'm sorry if you heard the the horn go off. I live in an old mill town. It happens. I swear every interview. Um, I didn't hear it at all. Oh, no. good. Okay, good. Good. I think that's um, a really good note to end on. And thank you. Awesome. So that was my conversation with the beautiful Shauna Zalazo. I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please leave me a review and leave the podcast five stars on whatever platform you are listening to this on. We'll catch you next time with more juicy spirituality. Go love your people. Enjoy your life.